0: Hey there! We're the West Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskauspo. Guys, we got a really, really cool interview coming up. Uh, former Northwestern basketball player Jordan Ash is uh, going to be jumping on with us. Cannot wait to talk to him. Um, yeah. If you haven't found his podcast yet, go find it. Garbage Time with Jordan Nash, phenomenal stuff. Cannot wait to
1: sit down and talk to him. Give him a follow on Twitter. Like he's been tweeting during the games, which is kind of how we start. We we start thinking like, oh, we should we should we should uh, we should pick Jordan's brain a little bit because he really knows what's up. If you yeah, if if you followed the Twitter feed and then you found out he had a
2: pod, you'd be like, the ceiling for this pod is really high. And then you watch the pod. And you're like, oh, yes, this is exactly the ceiling I was hoping for. So <laughs> that's who we've got on
0: tonight. And, yeah, we're super stoked. Well, without any ado, let's uh, let's go to Jordan. Well, we are thrilled to be joined tonight by former Northwestern guard Jordan Ash. Um, Jordan, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to, to jump on with us tonight. Um, if you haven't looked at Jordan's uh, podcast yet on YouTube, you know, press pause right now stop what you're doing go <laughs> go take a listen because uh Jordan you're doing some great work out there my man and uh really appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us
3: Yeah man I appreciate you guys having me on and you know the podcast is something that's become pretty fun I know we're only two episodes deep right now but it's pretty fun so I'm enjoying it
0: Yeah, it's it's been a fantastic listen. Uh, The first two episodes have been phenomenal, and if if that's the bar that you're setting, man, we've been doing this a while, and you just raised the bar quite a bit. So um, that that's absolutely awesome. Um, What just kind of wanted to get your thoughts uh, just to start off with um, on the the current state of Northwestern basketball. I mean, obviously we've you know finishing up yet another disappointing year. Um, You know things just. Kind of has been spiraling downhill a little bit since the the magical run to the NCAA tournament, which was just phenomenal. And then, kind of things have been going downhill. What have you seen from from this year's team as far as their hustle? What what working? What's not working for them?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I follow this team pretty closely this year, Um, just through being in the quarantine. Obviously, I've had more time to watch the game a little deeper, but. As far as what I see, I think it's just been hard for them to, to fall on a set identity. Um, because early in the year, I mean, they were playing great. They were running great offense. Uh, they had great continuity. And then, uh, you know, obviously they started the Big Ten season 3-0, and so everybody was excited about that. And then uh, just from there, it's like they just fell off a cliff a bit. And I think the reason being is you have to have an identity in the Big Ten. Um, I don't think there's a right answer. But you have to have something. And I think if I asked you, you know, transparently, like, what is their identity? You would probably struggle to give me an answer. Right. And I think that that is probably the biggest hole that they that they've fallen into is that they have the players. They play hard. Um, they're they're you know, they're together. All those things are there. But the last thing that they're missing is just, you know, what do we do? What can we hang our hat on? on an off night or on a, a night where our top guys aren't playing well, like what can we hang our hat on? I think that that's where they struggle.
2: I think it's, we've, we're certainly on the same page. I mean, we think the exact same thing. <clears throat> I think, I mean, just, a, you know, a random example. I think one of the things that we've kind of, were talking about earlier in the year is if you look at say the core lineup that Northwestern starts every night, um right. which tends to be that same it tends to be that same group of guys i mean it's changed a little bit but it tends to be right nance baron audige um buoy for most of the season and then cop and right you know kind of that thing where it's like well you could look and be like well those are probably northwestern's best players like i mean mm-hmm. like it's like that might be the best five guys and yet there's a lot of time where you're like it almost feels like that is that the best lineup is that like right. the crunch time lineup because there's that disconnect between like mm-hmm. the talent and then like how you see it kind of come together i mean i you I mean you've played with a lot of these guys you know these guys i mean i do you feel that the i don't know like that some of these issues like do you feel that it's that there i don't know like for example someone like pete nance who is Mm. you see certain nights where like you see that that night where he just went head to head with garza with iowa and just goes off um do you do you look at that and you're like okay is like is there a way that you know a particular way you're looking at where you're like all right these guys there needs to be some sort of system that's maximizing these guys or you look at a certain group and be like all right these are the guys that I want to see, you know, something built around or, you know, Mm. your personal feeling on that.
3: Um, I think it's a pretty mixed bag. You know, you know, when you say like, you're trying to think of like, what is it? Like, why are these five guys not working or why this combination, this rotation, like, why is it not working? Um, I think some of it has to do with, it just takes time. Like I think, um, you know, the, the, you know, we're a young team was kinda of played out last year, but the reality is they have one senior on the team. You know, so sometimes it takes, you know, that Wisconsin of, you know, let's get old, let's stay old, and then guys kind of work their way in from there. Uh, I think it's uh it's more difficult when you have, you know, guys that are trying to find themselves every year because it's almost like playing with a brand new team every year too. You know, so I think it's it takes time. I think that uh, you know for whatever reason, like I said, I haven't been in the locker room with those guys in two years, so it's hard for me to say exactly. But I do think you know for whatever reason, their continuity changed a lot from those first three games over time. Uh, You saw a lot of times where you know Pete might get the ball at the top of the key, and he was given an opportunity to drive, shoot, pass. Now more more than times more times than not, you see him getting the ball at the elbow. You know, or you may see uh, Miller taking less twos and now he's taking all threes or same with Barron. You know, he's taking less twos get to the line less. Um, So I think, you know, when you have those guys always kind of being wild cards, it makes it hard for you to consistently find like, okay, this is our set rotation. These are our best five guys. This is our starting group. This is our ending group. You know, I think it's you're constantly on your on your toes with that. So I think it's a mixed bag for sure.
1: Can I ask you to explain for for those who haven't seen it the uh, the death taxes and Ryan Young changing the tempo <laughs> tweet because I think that hits every game and I, I it it my sense whenever you whenever you tweet it is that it's it's basically a callback to how much the identity changes for this team mm-hmm. based on who's on the floor but just I'm curious to hear you know some of the thought behind that
3: yeah so I mean you know in my opinion uh, you know Ryan Young I wouldn't say he's been you know, their best player, but he's definitely been one of their top two most consistent players all year. And I think, uh, you know, he started what about two, three games here lately, but, you know, most of the time he's coming off the bench and he'd come off the bench and the score would be, you know, 14 7, Northwestern's down or, you know, 14 10, Northwestern's down. And when he subs out the game, they're up to, or it's a tie game, or, you know, the starting big man from the other team is in foul trouble or something like that. So I think that, you know, when I say he's changing the pace, I mean, like, he's literally changing the pace. You know, he's he's coming in, he's getting more paint touches, um, he's crafty, he's got good footwork, and he's a guy that now, toward the end of this season, that teams are like, you know, he's he's climbing that scouting report. So I think that, you know, when I say depth taxes and Ryan Young changing the pace, it's like, you know, when he comes in the game, you know, something good more than likely is going to happen. So... That's where you know I'm. I'm a huge Ryan Young fan, so that's that's just you know that's where that came from.
2: It's funny not to, not to step on someplace place that we want to go. I think in a little bit, but it's it's hard not to think of um, a little Barrett Benson when I watch mm-hmm. Ryan Young, and specifically again getting to something that, as Sam said, everybody, if you haven't watched or listened to these first two pods yet, pause this and go watch those because A, they're great. And B, it informs <clears throat> a lot of what we want to talk about. But Bear Benson specifically mm. talking about early on in his career of adopting this mentality as like, yeah. look, I'm gonna come off the bench. I'm gonna mm. be that energy guy. Um yeah. and you kind of get that same kind of feel from Young a little bit. Um I wanted one thing that you also mentioned um that you all mentioned in the in your second pod, you and Isaiah and Barrett, um, was something that that kind of really stuck with us. The idea of, um, and I, I know, Scuzz, we were talking about this because we were like, I don't think a lot of people understand this or even know this. Is you talked about within within practice and within developing certain skills, and you all had a moment where you all kind of came to a spontaneous agreement over a lot of the time. Practicing Northwestern developing skills within the context of the system or even within the context of certain plays and sets. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuck out to us because I think a lot of Northwestern nation draws this real line between Carmody and Collins, as mm-hmm. in Carmody was Princeton, set, right. set, sets, and then this shift and then to this freewheel in Collins mm-hmm. era. So that when you said that, that kind of gave us pause. Can you explain what you mean a little bit, you know, when you talk about that?
3: Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> let me see how the best way to explain this, you know, to kind of, for lack of a better term, to dumb it down.
0: Um, no, please dumb it down for us. We <laughs> do that. So, okay. So let's, uh,
3: so let's put it this way. Right. So let's say, you know, you have, uh, company A and company B, right. And company A is like, you know, we're going to get you in here. We're going to teach you how to do, A, B, C, and D, right? We're going to maximize A. We're going to maximize B all the way down the line. And we're going to make you the best employee that you can be, right? When you get to that point, now we're going to add you into our system. We're going to allow you to make more calls to make, you know, to make sales. We're going to allow you to do all these different things. We're going to open the book up for you because we know that we've developed you to this point. Company B is like, this is how we've done things forever, So when you get here, we're going to make you this employee for our company, right? And then when you get here, that's what you're going to be. And we're going to help you be the best company B employee that you can be. So they sound similar, but they're very different. Because one company is like, we're going to make you the best employee you can be. And then we're going to let you be the best employee you can be. One is like, we're going to make you an employee for our company, right? So putting that in basketball terms, it's like I look at a school like Michigan, right? And I'm, I'm talking B-Line's Michigan because obviously I didn't play against Juwan Howard teams. So B-Line had, you know, he was, you know, very uh, detail-oriented, you know, put your feet here, put your feet there. If this guy drives this way, you cut this way. If this guy looks this way, you back cut that way. But at the end of the day, those guys were developing skills inside that system, right? You look at us when I was there; we had the playbook that was probably about as thick as a Bible, right? Oh wow! But when the, when you practice shots, you were getting shots in those plays. You were getting the looks that you would get in those plays. So I think that that's a a, a very stark difference of like you know you have the option to do these things, that are going to help you be the best. You can be skill wise, or we're going to make you the best you can be in our system. And I think that both can work, but with the players that we have recruited over however long Coach Collins has been there, um, you need to like the development hasn't been there as far as skill uh, individual making plays. It's been more let's run these plays.
0: So is is it sort of a the the system comes first and you need to learn how to play in this system as opposed to changing the system based on the players that are there?
3: In a way, yes and no. Because I, I do have to give the staff credit, um, especially Collins, because every summer he would go and study, you know, different. Like we never ran for four years I was there. We never ran the same set of plays, each year it oh, was wow. always something different okay. now we had some special plays that were the same but the overall look of the offense was different so like my freshman year we ran a lot of handoff sets for trey uh trey demps my sophomore year we ran a lot of motion my mm-hmm. junior year was kind of the same but a different type of motion and then my senior year was two guard high motion with ryan taylor and those guys were we have four interchangeable parts so in that sense um, no, I don't think that it's like, you know, they're they're very strict. When I say they, I mean Northwestern staff are very strict on that. Um, but I do think that it's when you get halfway through the big season and the teams aren't letting you run plays, that's why you see big scoring droughts and, you know, struggles to score because you don't have a Brian McIntosh. You could just put in the high ball screen and say, go make a play. You know what I mean? it's It's a little different. So, yes and no. If
0: that answers your question, yeah. I mean, we've definitely noticed the past several years. It's always the back end of the schedule that things mm-hmm. just kind of go off a cliff. I mean, going going into the first three games, you know, Northwestern was ranked. I mean, yeah. beating Michigan State, obviously, you know, Michigan State isn't what they necessarily have been in the past this year. But right. you know, at the time, they were a top five program, and you know, just riding so high, and and yet again the back half of the season things sort of fall off.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important for people to understand that the big 10, like, you know, everybody knows the big 10 is a tough conference. Everybody knows that. But the, the, where I think the big 10 shines the most out of probably any conference in the country is that the scouting is, is ridiculously meticulous in detail. So when you get those first three games, You have to win those early games because those are when teams are really, they're looking at your film from when you play Quincy. They're looking at your film from when you play Pitt. And they're like, all right, this is what they do, whatever, whatever. But they don't have a playbook for you at that point. So when you get six, seven, eight, nine games in, these teams have seen you against competition that they've played. They've seen you play against all these different styles that they're familiar with. And they're like, this is what worked against them. This is what didn't work. So we're going to lean on this. And so for Northwestern, it's don't let the wing-to-wing pass through. Don't let the handoff through. Pressure the top of the key and take them out of their rhythm because now they don't have any plays they can run. When you do all those things, there is no play that you can run. So – and we have – obviously, we have options if teams do that. But at the end of the day, it takes you to get out of your rhythm to realize, like, all right, this is what I need to do next. So that's kind of like why you see that deterioration like throughout a season is because teams just figure you out. They just figure you out. And it's, you know, it's, it happens pretty quickly.
2: It's so it's one of the other things that we were kind of talking about before we had you on and it kind of dovetails with what the couple of different things you're talking about. I mean, I, I find it a little concerning when you're talking about we have this whole group of plays um, we run everything within this system, but the system cha- well, didn't change, but there was a whole new set of plays a couple seasons mm. to seasons. And I mean I, you know let to, to use your earlier analogy, I doubt John Land was doing that season to season. Right. I, I don't know. Right. Um, but then one of the one of the other problems that kind of takes us to um, into um, your pods. And again, I, I feel like this is funny because we don't want to give short shrift at all to the glory of the Derek Pardon pod the first one which is great <laughs> yeah. i mean it's like for anyone yeah. who wants to go down memory lane and have good feels that's the one watching you yeah. two guys you know dissect um the video of you know the tournament but of course the the pass and everything was right. was awesome um the the second pod is just so i mean it's one of those things where it's like for people who want to know what mm-hmm. it's like This pod is just like a giant piece of prime rib of that, the the second pod, Isaiah Brown and and Barrett Benson. And it's funny when you talk about the idea of, okay, well, Big Ten is so good at diagnosing these things, and when they do, there's got to be something outside of the sets. And it's like it kind of bears mentioning that there is a gunner on a 17-5 and Weber State team right now that (laughs) might go to the tournament. Yeah, um, that yeah. was on this team. Yeah, and you know, and it's it's. I think you know we we talked about that and and you know we, we'll get to some of the kind of X's and O's and we've been talking about a couple of those things, but we you know I kind of wanted to use that as a pivot to get into you know kind of the main topic that you had for that second pod, which was the idea of transferring. Right, you discussed mm. your situation you just you know barrett's situation and isaiah's situation um and um there were you know it, in some ways some you know i you know we were talking i don't want to step on the specifics of the pod because people need to go watch and listen to this but yeah. kind of some like heartstrings moments i mean isaiah brown mm-hmm. talking about having to you know what that was like for him and the moments of him deciding to tell you guys etc um yeah why was telling this particular story and educating people on, on the aspect of player transfer is so important to you personally.
3: Um, a couple of things. I mean, first I transferred, obviously I was a graduate transfer, but you know, I, I struggled with that topic for, I would say three years, you know, my sophomore year, my junior year, and ultimately, uh, after my senior season, uh, Every year it was like, all right, do I want to be here or do I want to, you know, go somewhere else? Um, and so, for one, you know, I went through it myself. For two, uh, we had guys like, you know, Rapalus, uh, We had guys like Isaiah, like Barrett, you know, and then we had guys like Ryan Taylor and Joey Van Zegra who transferred in. So I think it's important that uh, people understand that transferring, which is such a saturated market in college basketball um, isn't just people trying to be free agents every year, you know, trying to see if the grass is greener on the other side every year, because sometimes it's a lot deeper than that, and most times it's a lot more complex than you know, let me just go see what's out there Um, and so with Barrett and Isaiah, they transferred at different times, Isaiah transferred twice um, and it's just what I look, the way I look at it is, like, you're trying to find yourself as an 18-, 19-, 20-year-old kid of, like, who am I as a basketball player and who do I want to be, you know, at the end of this thing? And transferring is a big part of that, you know, and it's, it's a positive. There's a lot of positives, a lot of negatives. But at the end of the day, it's a part of a lot of our journeys as student athletes. And uh, it, it just gets a lot of general narrative of being such a negative thing, such a, you know, this guy quit or these kids are softest generation or whatever, uh, that I feel like it was important for these guys to come on and, and kind of give their perspective on their own stories and not let anybody else tell their stories for them.
0: Which is absolutely amazing. And you guys did such a great job. And, like, for us, I mean, the three of us, as, as we, you know, especially coming after this past football season where a ton of transfers happened, and, yeah. you know, I, I – one part of like Northwestern fandom was like, why are all these people transfer? It's like, guys, we don't know what's going on in the locker room. Right. We don't know what's yeah. going on there. We like these guys just talking about the football team. This past football season was insane on yeah. every single level. And, you know, we, we mm-hmm. started to see as the the first few guys who were going in the transfer portal all transferred closer to home. And we're like, this yeah. makes perfect sense. It was ahead. a it was a crazy time and you you hadn't been able to see your family except on, on the other end of a zoom call for what six eight ten months it, right. it's insane so you know we've been very vocal about how as fans we can't sit here and know what's going on yeah because there's so much more than what we see it's not necessarily and you guys talked about it it's not because you hate it here. It, it's terrible mm. it's you know there, there's a countless number of reasons and as fans we need to stop being so hung up on you're leaving me right you, you, like right. the <laughs> players the players right. don't owe right. the fans yeah. anything really i mean it just, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's just a whole other rabbit hole to go down but <clears throat> seriously like the way the way you guys talked about on on that podcast um explaining a little bit more. And, and that's something that I think fans don't see, and it's an awesome, awesome conversation.
3: Yeah, that's, you know, first off, I appreciate it, but that's, you know, the reason I started it is that I wanted to get guys on and just have conversations, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I was, I'm somebody that obviously had, I was in all those situations with those guys. You know, like, I know why they left. Like, I know, you know, what Derek was, like, Derek was my roommate for four years. So I know how he was when we flew back from Nebraska after he thought he was going to be a red shirt. Then he goes out and gets 28 and 12. Like I know what it's like, you know, when he came home from the apartment after he broke his hand, you know what I mean? Like I know, I know these things, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, let's just get on and, and have a conversation. Like you say what you want, you know, don't say what you don't want, but you know, let's just chop it up, you know? And I feel like that's where you get the best conversations from uh, you know guys that you know guys that you can relate to and so that's why i think it's really fun like what i'm doing right now
1: obviously we have been um enamored with the northwestern centric uh element of it and and the fact that it's you know obviously hearing yourself speak hearing other players that we've watched and, and grown with over the last few years um talk as well what where where are you hoping to take the podcast from here. Um, obviously you grew up in Chicago amidst like mm-hmm. one of the best basketball environments. Like they, yeah. do you have a, do you have like a laundry list in your head of guys you want to talk to and bring in, or, or are you still just kind of feeling it out um, week by week at this point?
3: Um, to be honest, I got a pretty long, I got a pretty long list. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, after the first episode uh, I got some pretty good feedback. So I was like, you know, I'm going to lean into you know my Northwestern teammates, uh, early on just because you know that's like the best content right now but there are some coaches uh, some trainers there are some guys that I grew up with there's you know guys that I played against you know there's a, a long list of people uh, you know as far as the podcast goes who knows how I mean nobody would would argue or, or be mad if their podcast went viral but you know I don't have any plans for it right now um, it's just something that i picked up something that I have experience with um, and I have nothing but time on my hands right now. So,
2: (laughs) you know, it's just kind of one of those things that I picked up. I I think we should, we sort of mentioned it in passing. Scuzz mentioned it in passing earlier. We should not give short shrift to the Twitter feed either. We've talked a lot about (laughs) the pod. The Twitter feed's kind of been a big deal. I mean, I think a lot of us were, were a group who, we try. And, and honestly, I mean, you know, I think we have to be honest and say real talk. It, the farther in the season went the heart, the more kind of exhausting it was. And the more we were like, let's just see what Jordan has to say, because I think it yeah. will just. Yeah. But I think but, you know, we we, you know, traditionally we're trying to, to tweet during the games or to the extent we're watching and trying to do things. And then but to have you on there and to have you out in that northwestern space, I think is such a big deal for everyone and everyone immediately gravitates because it's clear to everyone immediately. Oh, he knows what he's talking about. This all mm. makes sense. And then I think it's so it's like, again, it's like the pod is awesome, but want to make sure that we kind of shout out the the Twitter feed just because it's again, it's it's a big deal. It's certainly a big deal to us. But I think it's like you're talking about the pod growing, you know, your right. Twitter presence is only going to get more and more eyeballs as things go on. Um, one thing that I I wanted to talk about, and if if it's all right with you guys, because I you you know that I wanted to to go here relative to the whole Chicago thing. Um is um so Scuzz sort of alluded or Sam sort of alluded to it earlier, but we are just generally fascinated by the way your your whole basketball journey and the way Your basketball kind of sphere of, I guess, sphere of influence, we could say, intersects with Northwesterns. And I think kind of what I mean is there are a lot of people, a lot of our listeners who are not from Chicago Mm -hmm. and don't really get that. To the extent that there is like a Duke of high school basketball. Yeah. In Chicago, like you played, you're one of a handful of people who can honestly claim that their high school coach is more famous than their college coach. And it's like you played (laughs) for the late Gene Pingator. And I mean, I grew up, we are all of the generation where you're talking, I'm 13, I'm 14, I'm 15 years old, Hoop Dreams is coming out. And that's a huge deal. And I'm not even from Chicago. And when it, it was the kind of thing, when we first found out, oh, it's like Jordan Ash leading St. Joe's, you know, one yeah. part of a group, leading St. Joe's to a state title, one of Pinga two to state titles. I mean, this is a guy yeah. coaches Isaiah Thomas, coaches, you know, Arthur Agee, William Gates, right? Yeah. Um, and so this is all a long way of saying we're fascinated with the idea of, you know, as long as we've been following Northwestern, Northwestern is always fighting for a piece of that Chicago pie, not just in terms yeah. of recruits, but in terms of just, recognition that a yeah. big guy from Chicago is going to look and be like, Northwestern is an option for me. Mm-hmm. You're someone who, you know, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but most likely spent a lot of time in high school. People being like, Oh, he plays for St. Joe's. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then you, so how did that all factor in? You come from such a, you know, such a massive high profile program, Northwestern's yeah. trying to make its name. Um, how did those things, two things kind of intersect for you personally
3: uh well first off um uh, you know you're playing for a famous coach when somebody asks hey where you go to high school and i go to st joe's hey is that the guy from hoop dreams like, <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> you know like i heard that so then the next question is did he coach isaiah like yeah that's it yeah right,
2: right but uh
3: you know i think it was i mean god rest his soul but you know coach pingatore was i mean was everything to me um you know, I think in his later years, uh, obviously, he always had a sharp mind uh, for basketball. He could coach his butt off, um, but he was more of a mentor. You know, he's always prided himself on just, you know, who am I affecting? Whose life Whose life am I changing? And so for me, um, you know, I'm originally from Bolingbrook, Illinois, and when I went out there, uh, I remember the very first I'll never forget, the very first time I talked to him, I was like, man, coach, like, you know... I, I've been watching Hoop Dreams like the past year straight. Like my brother put me on the Hoop Dreams and he's like, oh, I hate that movie. So I hate <laughs> it. Like, hey, they, you know, they, they, they made me like a villain in the movie, but I remember that conversation. He was just telling me like, look, you know, if you come here, I'm going to help you get better. Um, I'm going to help you go to college. I'm going to help you get a, a, a great education. Um, and we're going to play some good basketball. You know, I remember another line he said to me was like, look, I'm going back downstate the next four years. You know, if you're here, we're going downstate. If you're not here, we're going downstate. Yeah, I mean, like, I would love for you to be a part of it. And I think that, like, his energy always gravitated towards that. Um, And so, you know, when I started to get to my junior and senior year, well, my sophomore and junior year, uh, you know, he started to be a little more hands-on with my recruitment. Uh, Him and my AAU coach, Mike Mullins, with the Illinois Wolves. And, you know, I mean, I had a lot of schools to just, you know, just to go through and, and figure out what was the best option for me. And Northwestern, when Coach Carmody was here, was so far down. They were, like, under the list. Like, there was no chance I was coming <laughs> to Northwestern. And I think from that perspective, I think a lot of guys look at Northwestern as, like, a school that's not that good at basketball. Not now, but, you know, in general. And when you think about the Chicago area, you think Illinois, you think DePaul. And so – uh, when Coach Collins got here, he got there. He was, you know, his energy was off the charts. You know what I mean? And and I think it helped me a lot that Scotty, Lindsey, and Vic Law were already there. Those were guys that I played against every year in high school, and I had been knowing Scotty since before high school. So, you know, when it came down to make a decision, I think it was just familiarity. You know, I I knew those guys. Um, I had been on the campus already with Coach Carmody, so I really didn't care for a visit. Um, It was just more learning Coach Collins and Coach Gates and Coach Baldwin and B.J., Coach James, you know, just learning them, and and it just became one of those things where over time, you know, they just kind of were still there. Uh, I had Purdue when I was younger. Um, I had Iowa at the end um, and Boston College, in um, Boston College, ended up uh, coach Donahue. He got he got fired like right, like two days before I was gonna make my decision. So, you know, it was just one of those things where it worked out where it all made sense at the end. Um, but, you know, I didn't think you couldn't tell me like through my whole recruitment that I would be at Northwestern at the end. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things, like you said, Chicago guys don't really think about Northwestern as their first choice or even their second choice. I, I'm sure Vic would tell you that same thing. I'm sure Scotty would say the same thing. Like, you know, it just happened to where that's how life unfolded for all of us.
2: Well, it's, it's, it's really funny because, um, I mean, it totally makes sense on, I think it was the second pod. Um, you were talking about, um, you mentioned kind of offhand, kind of saying what you were just saying just now, but like that you kind of expected to be recruited by Northwestern, which yeah. on one hand makes perfect sense. Like, Obviously, Northwestern should be trying to recruit you. That's what they should do. (laughs) And yet we actually did a little bit of a deep dive and we were like, okay, so before you and you mentioned that the fact that that Lindsay and Law were on the team was a big factor for you. If we're talking about the Catholic leagues in and around Chicago before you three, it's like David Sobolewski. And before that, it's like Jeremy Nash. I mean, it is not a lot of guys. Yeah. And I think we were, you know, so from from your perspective. And I mean, again, it's like this isn't necessarily like a Carmody thing or a Collins thing or whatever. But like, what does it take to get in to make those inroads? Like, what does it take for a school like Northwestern to get that toehold in, you know, in the the premier areas and obviously, I mean, there, it's not as simple as now. It's just to be like, right. well, it's, you got to get the Catholic leagues. I mean, say you, it's everything else. But like, what do you see as, as the secret? What do you see as, as like, what does it take for a Northwestern to establish that? Right. People say Illinois, they say DePaul, they say Northwestern in that conversation. Mm-hmm. What does it take?
3: I think, um, you know, personally that I think that's a, a pretty complex, answer um only because it's pretty it's like a two-way street you know almost a three-way street you know i mean like you gotta be you gotta get the guys in um but you gotta be winning games like you know you gotta be going to the tournament you gotta be on national tv and not that that's important in recruitment but it it you jump that ladder with other schools around the area like you know think i think about uh when we went to the tournament and then the following year, Loyola goes to the Final Four. You know what I mean? It's like as soon as we got there, right. we got knocked off. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I think it's so many schools, it's hard to say, like, you know, this is what you need to do. Um, I think a lot of it is relationships and not even uh, from coach to recruit. But, like, Coach James, he knew Coach Ping because he he coached at Glenbrook North. You know what I mean? He he knew Coach Ping. Um, he knew Vick's coach. He knew uh, Rick Manotti at Fenwick. Like, he knew these guys. And so, I think a lot of that is like, you know, a coach is going to talk to other coach and sell them their vision, too. Because they know this person has an influence over this kid's recruitment. Um, And the third street is, you know, with Northwestern's admissions, I think is, you know, I mean, I don't think you can't get players with talent, but I think it does limit who you can get. um, Because it's not like not to say these aren't great schools, but it's not like a DePaul or Illinois where you can pretty much recruit almost anybody. You know what I mean? Like you have to be going after a certain type of kid, um, and that kid has to be able to handle Northwestern too. You know, what I mean, it's not just about getting in; it's about staying there and and being able to handle everything there. So, I think it's a it's a lot of um, it's a lot that goes into it. I think personally the most important thing is that if they keep going to the tournament, they get to the tournament again, you know, win another game, you know, and they, they start to show an upward trajectory that it, it can definitely turn because it only takes one guy. You know, you look at Mark Aguirre at DePaul or somebody like that, you know, I think it only takes like one guy to turn the tide.
1: This is um... – well, I'm just going to say it. I think I would, love, I would love for the Northwestern just like – brass at large, uh, to listen to the conversation that you and Barrett and Isaiah had, um, I, and, and, and for one main reason, and and in addition to what John mentioned earlier, right. Just like the, the agon, the agonizing nature that that decision was for, for all three of you. I mean, that, that really stuck with me listening to that conversation, but then secondarily just, I, and I, 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 tweeted this talking to somebody, uh, earlier today, um, just, the, the knowledge that the three of you were sharing that and how mm. valuable that conversation would be to an athlete who's in high school right now, or yeah. somebody who's on a team that, that, that doesn't feel like they're in the right spot. And I just like right. that, that perspective that you all talked about kind of coming to the realization, like, wow, nobody's going to get a, get us there, get us to where we want to be on, you know, we have to take control of this narrative we have, we have mm-hmm. to think about, um, who's going to develop us and, you know, how they're going to develop us. So that was, that was yeah. a great comment that Barrett made uh, a couple times. So um, I just, I don't have a question coming off that more. Just like, like those are the two things that really stood out and stuck with me. And I just, I, I, it was, it was part of the impetus for why we wanted to, to talk to you tonight to just, you know, he- hear more of, of what you had to say on this front. Cause I think, that voice is so important for mm. even, even for parents right? And, right and there's you know sam talked about the fan angle earlier which is a big deal too but um but it's just exciting so i you know just like i, I think I, another round of of that's just awesome from us and right. um yeah and we, we we're, we're so excited to hear more it's yeah appreciate it.
2: it yeah it's funny it's like on on top of that i think the
1: you're when you're
2: talking about the the idea of okay making the tournament tv etc and i was thinking about what isaiah said talking about that when he made the choice to come out here there were a bunch of people back home waiting to tell him he was wrong yeah and i think that's something that like like no kid from washington who goes to duke is ever going to hear that no one's going to be like oh you're crossing the country to go to duke like no one's ever going to bring that up but with northwestern it's like we're not to that point yet. And then again, and then it's you, the stuff where it's like you, you know, that no one wanted to hear it, but it, it, you know, that I don't know. Like again, we're trying not to armchair quarterback, but you know, we're thinking <laughs> back and we're like, we're like, there's the guy who's local and had the community connections who now looks back and says, this is you. I wish I would have redshirted. Yeah. Um, And then on the flip side, the guy who gets red shirted is the guy who's halfway across the country away from his family. Um, And and um, but, you know, it's like the other the other thing. And and I think Scuzz mentioned this earlier is the the idea that I think to a lot of fans, Isaiah red shirted, Mm -hmm. you know, played in in the minds of, I think, a lot of Northwestern fans briefly. Right. So Mm -hmm. he red shirted, played and then was kind of gone. And right. then you watch the pod and it's so clear how close all you guys are And yes. I think that it's it's one of those things it just it it shows right that to your point that like this idea that it's not mercenaries it's mm-hmm. you guys are all really really tight and these relationships build really quickly and um, it's really it's it's just a really big just a really big thing that people need to consider one one question I had I'm like, it's it's like part of me doesn't want to get too inside baseball and the other part is i just we have so many things we'd like to ask you um yeah you mentioned illinois wolves earlier mm-hmm. and i think it's funny to take it back to to hoop dreams and and this idea of the chicago catholic leagues as like this holy grail and of course you have yeah. like you have simeon you have other schools right um right but the Catholic leagues traditionally as just this, this Holy grail of like the talent that has come out of there is just unbelievable. And, but now it's, it's more complicated from the fact that, you know, you have wolves, you have mean streets, right? Mm-hmm. I Other ones, uh, you know, a dozen others that you would know and we wouldn't know, but right. how, how does that like, okay, so let's take it back to Northwestern trying to make an impact in Chicago. How in today's day and age, what's the relative importance where you mentioned Brian James he's got those relationships in the Catholic League to what extent is that important relative to like connections to the AAU circuit and around here and like mm-hmm. where is where's the relative importance in 2021 with all of this stuff? Um, I think as
3: far as just comparing it to straight you know cut and dry is your assistant coach is going to be uh, responsible for a region right so you have a coach that recruits the west coast the East Coast and the Midwest. So with BJ being a Chicago guy, uh, coaching there, that's where his connections came from. An AAU coach does not have a region. An AAU coach is national. So when you build your name up, when you build your program up, and then you put a brand on that program, um, you're going to have a lot of connections when it comes to coaches. You know, whether it's pro coaches, whether it's, you know, people who select the USA teams, whether it's, the uh, McDonald All-American Selection Committee, like, you're going to have so many connections. And I think uh, Mike Mullins, who runs the Illinois Wolves, he had so many guys. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But with Northwestern, you know, he had Tap, he had Barrett, he had myself, and he had Sobo. So his, you know, that's kind of like a mini pipeline in a way. Where, like, you know, you have guys that are going all over the place for school, but then you have, you know, four or five guys within so many years that go to one school. So, obviously, if I'm the head coach at Northwestern, I want to know Mike Mullins because he's going to have a kid or two kids who I can take, you know, who I can pick off from somewhere else because they are an Illinois AAU team, you know. So, I think that, uh, The importance, I personally, I think AAU is more important in high school when it comes to recruiting. Now, I was a special case because of who I played for in high school. Um, But I think for the most part, you're going to have kids that put a lot more stake into AAU and a lot more coaches who put more stake in AAU as well. Just because of the general competition, uh, they can see so many kids in one place. You know, it's going to be a big difference uh, in terms of, you know how you're recruiting, or the, or the way you attack a certain recruitment. So I think it's a, a pretty big difference.
0: Uh, we we could talk to you all night about this. I mean, <laughs> like, we, I really, I have appreciate, a long list, yeah, <laughs> definitely appreciate your time. We don't want we don't want to keep you up all night. Um, so just kind of yeah, as as we start to wrap it up here tonight. Well, first we would love to have you back on to, to keep talking because this <laughs> yeah. is this is amazing and i i know our, our fans are are eating this up tell us uh just plug your plug your podcast real quick for us
3: yeah so my podcast is called the garbage time podcast um it's only on youtube right now probably if i had any type of savvy to me i would have added on apple Podcasts and stuff too but um you know, it's just two episodes deep right now. The first one's with Derek Parton. Um, the second one's with Isaiah Brown and Barrett Benson. And, you know, I just have guys on to have conversations about their experiences, um, whether it's about, you know, like you said, a trip down memory lane or if it's about why you transferred. Um, it's just things that I, I think about and I always wanted to get out. Um, but, you know, when you're a player, you kind of there's only so many things you can do and say, whether it's in the media or Twitter or whatever. So I think now, you know, kind of being out of that, I've, I've had the opportunity to use my network, use my connections and guys that I played with to try to create some good conversations. So, um, that's just my hope with it, that people learn something in every episode and enjoy it at the same time.
0: Well, I'd I'd be, we'd be happy to chat with you off, offline about, you know, how to get it on Apple podcasts and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, Sam would be happy to to chat. With you. Scuds and I are the, and I have the
2: talent. We just come on and talk. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Will Jordan. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. We would love to have you back uh, down the road to talk about things and kind of the direction of the Northwestern program moving forward. Because um, you know, with the new athletic director coming in, there's definitely questions and you know. Mm-hmm. You, are are there rumblings about more changes coming? Ah, who's to say, really? But uh, right. we we would love to have you back on to if if things do change, which they might mm-hmm. they might not. We don't know. Um, right. We'd love to have you on to you know, to talk further about all that.
3: Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I'm a basketball junkie. You know, I've always loved talking basketball. So any chance I can get, I'm, I'm all for it.
0: Well, um, that's Jordan Nash. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, fantastic stuff, man! I could, we could, seriously, we could have talked to him for another hour. Uh, but, uh, and it's like, and 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 we did
2: talk with him for a little bit longer. Um, this is all the way just just to tease. We, we've got a kind of idea of some of his ideas for some of the upcoming pods. We're not going to tell you what they are. They're just really good ideas, and you're going to be really excited when you see them. Um, he's got
0: some great stuff in the works. Yeah um, fantastic stuff. Speaking of fantastic stuff, uh, we got to talk uh, this past weekend of Northwestern Athletics uh, softball going six and0 uh, to start off the, the season. Lacrosse taking two from Johns Hopkins. Um, it, it was a it was a nine and0 weekend for Northwestern sports and then women's hoops went toe to toe with Maryland like a really really good Maryland team. And and played with them almost the entire game, and just things kind of fell apart a little bit late. But uh. H-
1: held Maryland to their lowest shooting percentage all year. Held Maryland to their lowest point total all year. Um, let's also not give short shrift to the field hockey team of that uh, beat Maryland for the first time since 2017 this weekend, and uh, the women's soccer team that knocked off Maryland. Um, I guess Maryland, Maryland's really good at women's sports, by the way. Uh, yeah. But the but the the cats. Um, my gosh, uh, my, my takeaway the next, the next like two to three months are going to be really, really fun. Women's tennis ranked
0: number seven, uh, beat Wisconsin six to one. It's funny.
2: I think way back when we were having, um, when the season was, you know, the football season was initially canceled. Right. And we were having discussions and, and, searching grabbing for anything to give ourselves solace and thinking back when they had floated what the fcs is actually doing right now right which is a spring season when they floated that for the big 10 we were saying well can you imagine like um having you know watching northwestern take it to say penn state and then finding out like in the mid fourth quarter that danielle williams has a no hitter going around the corner and like running out well you didn't get the spring football Danielle Williams is holding up her end, and so are the rest <laughs> of the, springs, the spring sports. Because, yeah, they are absolutely going off right now. Um, it's just the, it is playing like a group that is knows exactly how good they are and knows that they were robbed of something last year. And, are you know, you can almost feel that chip on
0: their, all, their collective shoulders. I mean, softball didn't give up a run until the last out of the fourth game of the year. It's funny. I have to say, Sammy, you
2: I was in the middle of doing something else when you sent out a text about that. And it took me a while because I was looking. I was like, oh, they started winning these games, but then they lost one. And then I was like, oh, no, you're just saying they just gave up a run. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, my Lord, this team is absolutely loaded for bear right now. Uh, we should say, too, that, you know, Scott's kind of talked about it, but, like, the women's team against Maryland, I mean, they're playing an awesome team. They're basically just kind of let down at the line. Yeah, um, it
1: was – it was. I mean, the margin was around seven points for most of the fourth quarter. Um, you know, the Cats would get within four. Maryland would hit a three. Maryland would get up by nine or 11, and the Cats would kind of claw back. But um, they missed seven free throws, and oof. it might have been even a little bit more further down the stretch but um, just it felt like the difference in that game it you know we we've been we've been dialed into this hoops team all year long they've got another huge game against Michigan the last game of the season next saturday um it's for a double bye i believe in it the big 10 tournament it's
2: so weird us trying to keep track of this math is so weird yeah. but yes
1: it's it's goofy but i like so Mich- michigan's been on a bit of a of a um of a downward spiral of late but that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that like this northwestern team is good enough to beat just about anyone to knock off a truly big team like a maryland probably like a michigan they really need to play i don't want to say perfect but close to perfect and there were just there were a couple moments in that game against maryland where it was like man if that shot goes in or if if they happen to get that steal like the, like their defense was incredible against one of the most like physically imposing teams um like when you watch diamond miller uh I, like like driving around the car i don't i don't know how northwestern was able to stay in front of her for as much of the game as they did um and then uh ashley wants to like their, their their team is just spectacular and northwestern was matching up you know um that that is going to be the type of teams they're going to face in the tournament. I you know, I think right now that they're, they're slotted as maybe a 6 seed. Obviously, that's really dependent on what happens over the next week and a half, but um it like there's still so much excitement to be had here following this women's team. Um, let's also talk about the fact that they got their rings uh, this Ooh, past yeah. weekend. The, Finally. Those
2: those are sweet. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're really sweet and acknowledge that, you know, Lindsay Pulliam, capping off uh, her four-year career uh, on senior night. I, I mean, I guess technically she could come back with COVID rules and such, but... Um, I, I mean, mean, she's
2: she's projected as a mid-first-round WNBA draft. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, like,
1: the, the folks on the broadcast the other day didn't seem to, to have, <laughs> have that intel, or maybe they're looking at different mock drafts than we are, but um, I just, like, what, what, a, what a career. What, I mean, she's been arguably the best women's basketball player, certainly that I can remember,
2: um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it her, is her
1: or Nia coffee,
2: right? Her and Nia. And, yeah. and I think it's, I mean, different types of player for me with Lindsay. I mean, I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm including TV and I mean, in person, it's not close, but I think if you put it up against all the Yukon games and everyone I've watched, I don't know that I've seen a woman's basketball player with as sweet a jump shot, as yep. sweet-looking a jump shot as Lindsay Pulliams. It's one of the prettiest things you've ever seen. She could miss 10 in a row, and you'll be sure number 11 is going in. It comes out of her hand just perfect. And, you know, we've talked about this, especially like the late second half of the season, and this isn't a narrative that's unique to us, but I think there's this weird thing where on one hand there's a little bit of frustration being like this team – has never quite hit on all cylinders yet. And then the flip side is, yeah, but what if they do? Yeah. The exactly. blizz- this team has the blizzard and Lindsay and Veronica. And I mean, they have all the other talent, but if you have to point out, like this team has Scott said, like as good a team defense as you'll ever see. And two players who are capable of being unguardable. And, we're still searching for that to all come together. But again, it's like, you know, for, for all this team's, you know, more ups than downs, but kind of an, an imperfect season, the way all this goofiness and all the math has, has worked out is like Scuzz said, if the cats beat Michigan, um, we, we leap, if not Rutgers, certainly Michigan and get at worst, I think a four seed and that double buy. So it's, and, and, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's kind of like, we're waiting for that spark. We're waiting for it all to click. And what better time than now? What better time than a run in the Big Ten tournament, um, or a run in the NCAA tournament? So yeah, exciting. And that's again, this is just woman's hoops. This is just this is the last great bit of winter before we get into this just ridiculous spring that Northwestern's looking at here.
0: Yeah, I I, I cannot wait to to you know, really dive into to softball and lacrosse and field hockey and uh, baseball. Even you know, I see we'll see what's going on with all that. And uh, yeah, we uh, we're we still have stuff to talk about. We still we're not going away. I know our, our pods haven't been out every week. Uh, on the you know stroke of six a.m. on Monday, um, like <laughs> we were during football season. I was I was I was gonna say which was exhilarating and exhausting at the same
2: time I'm like, you know <laughs> that 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 extra week in between every now and then is good you know it's good for the recharge but but again i mean i, I the flip side is we have the time to try to you know to get a you know for example a jordan ash to come on the pod and get get the advantage of all of the greatness that comes with being able to listen to
0: him so um yeah it's it yeah like sam said plenty of stuff coming yeah, uh, we got the uh, the NCAA tournament in uh, its weird Indiana bubble form. Uh, that's gonna be kind. Of, that's gonna be fun though, right? Like the entire tournament in Indiana, in and around Indianapolis. That you know, I I, I guess when, when when you think about like the actual game on TV, it's not going to make any difference. They're still going to be fairly empty. If and you know, a basketball court's a basketball court, and they'll put in their generic floors. So, I guess the the product on TV isn't, isn't going to be any different than in years past, but just conceptually are, it seems kind of cool.
1: What are they doing for attendance? Are they allowing
0: It's Indiana, so I'm sure they're all going to be jam packed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean I was, I assuming, was assuming there going to be I like a 20% cap or something be there. Yeah. I yeah. like actually what's interesting if you think like if you think about it, it's you know, attendance in the, in the early rounds has been a major problem for the NCAA tournament for, for years past. I just, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And obviously with the, with the restrictions still in place, like demand is going to be presumably higher than supply. And that might help, um, that might help a little bit. I don't know that, that might, that might improve the, the viewing experience. You've got less, less travel burden you're putting on the, on the kids and the teams, like maybe, maybe some, uh, some teams are a little sharper we'll see the the really interesting wrinkle to me is if there's a team that can't play for some reason um, yeah so let's say that so the tournament starts on a friday instead of a thursday let's say there's a there's a one seed that can't play that one seed would opt out and the first <laughs> team from the first four out of the tournament would get slotted in as a one seed <laughs> Which is um, pretty um, interesting. Amazing. I don't wish this on anybody, but um, if it chaos happens, I'll be man. very, very interested to see how it plays out. Because it'll be yeah. fascinating. Yeah, because I
0: mean, chaos will reign, I'm sure. Right. Much like it has this entire season. Um. In any
1: case, uh, anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight, guys? I mean, I guess, like, on, on the on the heels of talking to Jordan, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention two more men's basketball games in the regular season, uh, matchup, uh, both at home, but playing Maryland on Wednesday and then, um, Nebraska on Sunday to close up the regular season. Right now, the cats, I think are a 13 seed in the tournament projected, um, I forget who are they playing. I think they're it's, playing Nebraska and that's, it is.
2: So they finished Nebraska and, and Northwestern's kind of an ignominious end to the season. I mean, those are your 13 and 14. And I don't know that that game can even change the order right now. Yeah. The Maryland, is oh, we're, game... we're
1: playing, we're playing Penn state. That's what it is. But to, to move, to move up, we would have to, um, we have to lose a lot. We have to, we have to, Nebraska would have to do some surprising things to leapfrog us, and we would have to do a lot to leapfrog Penn State. So it does seem like that's pretty well locked in.
2: Right, right. I do think the Maryland game, you know, is an opportunity. I mean, that's a team that's on kind of a furious run, you know, trying to, I think, I, you know, I haven't checked the latest, but trying to play their way onto the bubble. I mean, it's the last chance outside of the tournament for a really meaningful win. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, we talked about the, the mess that was last season, but, the cats at the end of last season were able to grab, you know, a couple, including a, a win over a, a ranked Penn State team. So maybe there's something like that in the cards this year. We'll see.
0: We are you sure we can't? It. Are you sure we can't play just the rest of our schedule at Minnesota? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> For whatever reason, we, we seem to do really, really well in the, in that barn. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, Pirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates. You can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlaw of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skasbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.